This podcast is sponsored by OMI, the company that makes CRM work. Today's guest is Jordan Ridenour, the founder and CEO of ClearLaw. Jordan, welcome. I'm really excited to talk with you. The first thing I want to ask you about is something that I noticed on the ClearLaw landing page. And you know, you, you, you get there and you see in, in big letters, big words, we're closing the data deficit for legal teams. And I wonder what you mean by data deficit. Yeah. Well, first, thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you. And yeah, we're closing the data deficit for legal. That's something we hear from customers, from prospects all the time. Uh, legal teams, in-house corporate legal teams, they feel like they're at a da- data deficit uh, compared to their counterparts, whether it's you know at the C-suite level, the GC and CMO or wh- whatever the case is, um, or just the individual contributors who, who see all the data that's um, available and usable and presentable by marketing and sales and operations. Um, and legal feels like, yeah, we know how many contracts we reviewed last quarter. We have some insights around, you know, how I'm spending my time, but a lot of the data that would be useful for them resides in a executed signed PDF contract uh, somewhere on a share drive or, you know, Google drive, some repository. And really for them to get value from that, they have to go in and, and do a lot more work, uh, searching and finding and uh, then putting that data into maybe an Excel spreadsheet or Salesforce instance. So we're trying to help them uh, understand what's in the contract without them having to do that work. And so we turn contractual language into structured data and people probably think, well, contracts are pretty well structured already. And that's true, uh, but there's a million different ways to say things in a contract. And sometimes there's an advantage to being a little ambiguous, uh, depending on what side you're on. Mm -hmm. So we are turning it into machine-readable data and structured data that is then identified, extracted, and then can be sent to wherever they need that data to be stored. So Salesforce is a good example. A lot of people keep contractual data in in their Salesforce instance. And then they, they can use that data if questions arise about the obligations in that contract or even pre-execution, you know, if they just want a sense of what's in this contract, what do I need to focus my time on? Uh, we can help them identify those things without them having to read 50 pages of, of legalese. Gotcha. That's super interesting. Um, now, you, you know, most, most founders have some sort of story about experiencing this pain themselves before they got the insight to start the company. I wonder how you came at this. Were you an attorney? Were you someone in business who were, you know, you're like, why is this so tough? Tell me, tell me that story. Yeah, I, I felt the pain personally. I, I was actually still in law school, uh, working at a tech company on a, on their legal team in-house. And a lot of what I was doing was, was contract review and red lines and negotiations. And I'd be handed an assignment and say, Hey, you know, from the supervising attorney would say something like, Hey, I did something similar to this, uh, six months ago. See if you can dig through the share drive, find it and make sure the terms we care about, you know, line up I'm like, huh? Okay. I don't know what contract you're talking about. I don't know what terms <laughs> matter to us. Uh, it's really amazing actually, you know, law school is a great educational experience, but not necessarily the best, uh, preparation for, for doing the nitty gritty legal work that, that most, uh, recent grads, find themselves doing. So I would spend a lot of time just trying to find relevant contracts to compare against this new one, you know, reading them, making sure the terms all sounded pretty similar to me. It probably took me 10 times longer than it would someone who's experienced. So uh, this company that I was at um, actually focuses on, on data science and helping 
leaders make decisions based on data and finding patterns. I thought, isn't it interesting that this doesn't really seem to exist for, for legal work? Like, is there a way to aggregate the experience of all these, these super experienced attorneys that have done this for, for 10 years and give me a tool to help understand what matters to the organization, what I need to be uh, worried about, and, and help me make decisions on, on what I need to do to, to review this contract and get it approved. So, you know, just kind of thought of that in, in the back of my mind and it really didn't really have a light bulb moment until after I'd left this job and I, I got a call from a salesperson um, who I'd been negotiating a, a contract with. And really the, the edits I'd made to their standard sales form were very minor. There, there wasn't anything too serious, but I sent it back like two months later, he gave me a call and said, Hey, legal reviewed, you know, your red lines no, no major issues. Like, I think we're good to, to close this out and accept those and let's get this signed. It was like, wow, I, I don't even work there anymore. I haven't <laughs> thought about that job in six weeks probably. Um, but, uh, I can get, I can put you in touch with, <laughs> with who's there now and took over. So it, I started to wonder, is it, is this just a problem for, for everybody? Is this, you know, legal slow? Like think about this contract was the only thing holding them up from closing revenue. And it took three months. Um, mm basically to say, Hey, yeah, we're good. So that really, uh, put me on the path of looking at how big is this problem? Um, and of course lawyers have, or in-house legal teams have the reputation for being slow and holding up deals. And so my co-founder and I started going down this path and, uh, testing technology and, um, seeing what we could do to help, help folks understand contracts and, and move a lot faster. Is part of the issue, maybe a, a way to put it that like, you know, institutional knowledge is so key in, 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 you know, law firms and legal organizations within, within companies, you know, if someone leaves, like you just, like you just talked about, like part of just like the knowledge goes with them and, and people are left a little bit blinded there. Um, and, and so maybe use that as an entree to talk about some of the other ways, you know, that, that data visibility is important for, for, you know, organizations that, that are run, you know, well-run. Yeah, that's a really good point. The institutional knowledge, um, is really key. And if you think about, um, you know, once that person leaves, who's maybe negotiated the first, let's say you new, new company, you've got a hundred customers. There, there might be one person who knows everything there is to know about all those contracts. They did them all personally. They leave. If you haven't really been keeping good track of the, the obligations and stuff, that knowledge leaves with them. Someone else is going to have to go through those. And we talked about it a little bit briefly earlier, but if they're just somewhere on a in PDF format, uh, sitting in a shared drive, it's really hard to really go through. You basically have to start over and, and go through those contracts one by one. An example, you know, uh, you can think about everyone's familiar with now is COVID nineteen hits. Every organization wants to know: okay, does our force majeure clause cover pandemics? Is it explicit? Is it implied? They, you know, act of God type thing. So. Um, yeah, a lot of companies had to go through hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of contracts to figure out where their risk was um, on that. So this data visibility is really key. And we like to think about the the contract as really the basis for every business relationship. So maybe less important if you're more consumer facing and it's kind of a take it or leave it thing. But any B2B organization, there's going to be some red lines, some edits. It's especially important if you're working off customer paper, or third-party paper, and, and can't always rely on, you know, we have maybe some minor edits to our standard template. So the, the data visibility becomes key. 
whether you're looking at executed contracts, maybe you have a whole repository, hundreds or thousands of documents, the world changes. You need to be able to answer questions about that quickly. And, and really, it shouldn't just be on the legal team to do that. You know, marketing needs to know if they can put the customer logo on the website uh, that's usually covered by the contract. Or customer success needs to know when the contract's going to renew and when they uh, need to get back in touch because the customer has an opt-out clause uh, before renewal. Finance team uh, needs to know about payment terms and price escalation notifications and all that. So it really affects the entire organization uh, from a post-execution standpoint. But this information is really valuable pre-execution too. So if you think about contract comes in, uh, legal team needs to, to triage it. They could provide an estimate on how long it would take to go through, how many turns they expected. Um, this is the kind of data we provide and, and want to empower legal teams to have so that they can present this data to you know the rest of the organization, whether it's the CRO or the CEO, so they can forecast pipeline more accurately. And really, the legal team can just move a lot faster through the documents if they don't have to review absolutely everything. They have a tool that says, hey, you know, there's five things in here that you tend to worry about. The rest of it is good, but you can focus your time on those those few things that, you know, might come back to bite you later. So, you know, you guys use AI. It's part of your part of your link, your, your URL, clearlaw.ai. Um, it seems integral to what you do. And yet, so for someone like me, a layperson, I, I don't, you know, I'm, you're like, yeah, we use AI. I'm like, great. That, that sounds cool. Um, tell, tell me why that's important. And maybe, um, you know, beyond that, what what is it about the modern i guess office suite you know whatever whether it's microsoft google whatever that that didn't solve this problem why 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 do you need some sort of specialized software for this yeah that's a good question because we do hear you know oh i heard google's working on this and yeah they are um and and google wanted to devote resources to nlp natural language processing or ai deep learning technology they've obviously got a lot of resources to to do that so we're specifically our, our, our models are trained specifically on contract language. So we're very focused and can add new use cases quickly because of that focus. And our entire data pipeline is, is tuned to contract or I'd say contract adjacent language. So you think about an invoice or something like that. And this specialization allows us to just be a lot more accurate. So you're, when you say, hey, AI sounds cool, like what does that mean? Our, our data annotation pipeline, our, our training models um, are trained on hundreds of thousands of contracts to parse, identify uh, language characteristics, and then make it easy to extract those. Um, and because there are so many different ways to say essentially the same thing, you, you need to be really focused on, okay, is this the same thing? Is this just another way of saying termination for convenience? Or is this something different and you know, maybe it's actually termination for breach, even though it kind of looks like termination for convenience. So we're specialized on this and um, that allows us to move faster and, and be more accurate. But also we're focused on delivering this data. It's really our, our only job. And so a lot of customers and organizations, they don't want thousands of software vendors. If they can consolidate under one roof, great. So for us, getting this data into their system of record rather than trying to replace a system of record has been really important. So we, we want to work with their existing CLM contract lifecycle management tool, or if they're just on Salesforce uh, and that's where they store their contracts, 
we can receive the data from Salesforce, we can send it back. Um, and that makes it a lot more efficient and accessible for the rest of the team. You don't have to have uh, folks switching platforms or logging into a different tool or learning how to use a different tool. Uh, the data is already sitting where where they want it to sit um, and where they can make the most use of it. Uh, so that's why we're focused solely on just being contract intelligence, closing the data deficit, and delivering that data to, you know, I, I didn't mention Microsoft Word, but we do work with them. We have a Word add-in. That's where a lot of attorneys and contract managers review contracts. So the data needs to be delivered there. That's where they can make the most use of it. So there's this there's this concept of the job apocalypse, right? Where, you know, it's and it's usually in reference to like less skilled labor, right? It's, you know, truck drivers, someone, someone who, you know, is going to lose their job to a, a machine or, or, or a computer. I'm wondering if you get asked about this quite often. I wonder what you say about it. Um, it's, it seems like a societal problem, less than, less than like a, a specific company problem. Um, you can see in each instance why a safer driver or, uh, you know, uh, someone who's less exploited, um, you know, a machine being less exploited would, would be a good thing. Overall though, it could create some, 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 complex situations for, for societies. How do you, how do you think about that? What, what, is, what is your role as a, as yeah. a company that does AI here? We did, we used to get that question a lot. I think people, <laughs> legal professionals have realized, okay, there's a long ways to go before getting completely replaced. Um, so it, I think part of that realization is like, yeah, AI is great for specific purposes, but it can't yet replace the experience and kind of intuition that uh, an experienced attorney would have. So what we're focused on is, is delivering that data, making their job easier. And does that mean that maybe legal teams don't need to hire as often or as frequently? Maybe they can do more with less, certainly. But obviously that that's the case for any new technology that folks get more productive. Uh, you need fewer of them to do the repetitive and, and simpler less complex tasks, but with, with that new jobs are always created, right? So when we first started legal operators or legal operations, um, was, was pretty new. And now it's just, I don't, I don't know, I don't have exact data on this, but I'd say 10 X increase, um, in the number of employees who would call themselves legal operations or, or legal operators. And that's really driven by this idea that, okay, legal teams need to get more data driven. Uh, we need to make use of the data that we have. And so while there may be uh, contract specialists, um, maybe maybe I'm making that up a little bit, that role has been shifted now to maybe a hybrid contract specialist legal operator role. And yeah, it's I, I guess it's something we think about too because you don't want to have a negative effect on society, obviously. It, it, it's it's an interesting time for, for every industry as, as more things get automated and you can do more with less. And I, I think my personal opinion is we're kind of on that edge where some jobs have been removed. Um, you could think about horse and buggy drivers, right? At the, the turn of the 20th century, as cars became more widespread, they, you know, horse stables probably uh, needed to employ fewer people. Um, but we haven't yet gotten to the stage where a, a ton of new jobs and new professions have been created around this new industry uh yet and I, personally i'm i'm looking forward to uh a lot more jobs in space i think that's the next exciting <laughs> thing anyways uh, yeah so yeah it's totally kind of the just the problem of progress right um it creates change um so 
you know, you, you started off by telling us about how you were, you know, a law student working at a technology firm. You know, I, I don't know if you went back and ever practiced law or if you said, oh, light bulb's going off. I'm going to, I got to do this now. What, what have you learned about starting a technology company that you'd wish you'd known from the beginning? And maybe, maybe do you wish you'd been a, you know, a junior product manager at a, at a tech firm? Would that have set you up better than, than going to law school and, you know, learning about uh, the constitution, I guess? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I guess I have thought about that a little bit. I did say earlier, law school uh, is great education and and great experience. It's definitely not for for everyone. Um, you know, if you don't really want to practice law, um, I'm not sure law school's a, a great decision financially. Just it's a very expensive. Um, mm-hmm. I do I do not regret it. I I get to wear that hat both for my current role. I do a lot of legal contract work. I am a licensed attorney. Um, and I talk to attorneys all day, so it's, it's, it's been really good for me. What is the thing that annoys you as a tech founder the most about lawyers and what annoys you the most as a lawyer about tech people? What strengths do you wish lawyers could take from tech CEOs is maybe a nicer, more positive way to put it. (laughs) Well, I guess this is a strength, right? Law school teaches you to be an issue identifier, uh, an issue spotter. So, you know, you read some, uh, old case and you have to spot the issues that the judge thought was or the justice thought was important in deciding the case right and how how they think about that and what pros and cons did they weigh uh so you're really good at issue spotting and i would say um that that that's a very useful and powerful skill um when you are a customer or prospect or a potential buyer of new software it can be uh, tough, right, to overcome some objections because uh, we've had a few conversations where the the attorney may say something like, "Oh, you know, I uh, I had this thing like ten years ago where we had we had to do this X, Y, and Z. Does, does your technology handle that?" And you know, I kind of have to think like, "Wait, so you you had this issue once in ten years, and you think uh, AI is is going to solve that problem for you?" And the answer is no, we, we, we haven't run across that yet. We, we, we don't have any experience with that. Uh, so no, we, we do not solve that problem. And I think that's the personality type, right? I'm sure they're in every field. I think law school gets you very good at um, spotting and remembering every issue. So, so that can be a challenge sometimes. Yeah, you know, just I, I, those two worlds are so interesting to me. One seems, one seems really rigid and the other seems really, really really loose. And so the fact that you are able to sort of have a, have a foot in both of those worlds is really interesting to me. And I'm just, yeah. Um, observations on, on one, one to the other, you know? Yeah. I, I think, um, it, this is more of a, uh, overall comment. It, there has been a lot of disappointment in legal tech. Um, you know, there've been some famous blowouts. Companies have raised a lot of money and not really delivered value. Um, so it, it works both ways. I, I think that that jades the potential customer base, um, you know, legal professionals. And it also uh, makes the investment community a little jaded. But with that said, there are a ton of businesses that are doing really well in legal tech, um, growing quickly, getting user adoption. So I, I guess one takeaway would be have some patience. Um, and that was tough for me 
but we we've had to you know evolve on on what we're doing how we're approaching the market we weren't always trying to work with clms but if we if we didn't have patience uh we wouldn't have discovered this new this new big opportunity for us to really be a data provider of of legal language um of, of customers legal language their own contracts so yeah sometimes it just takes a little longer and you have to learn that along the way uh, but uh yeah patience has been key i think i think it's it's going to be key for for both sides the investment community and then also uh the legal professionals doing the work those are two really good answers i was expecting something a little more pat and uh not not because you uh, haven't been a, an insightful speaker but you know those are those are great i enjoyed that um jordan really enjoyed talking to you um why don't you tell people where they can find more about clear law yeah, so we're uh, we have a website www.clearlaw.ai. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, and we're going to be putting out some big announcements here in the near future um, with some some partnerships that we've signed, and we're just getting the marketing messaging ready. Uh, so really exciting time for us, and thanks for having me today. Of course, yeah, really enjoy speaking with you. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it.